Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. It's the second hour of the show, and it's Friday, so it's the mailbag. You tuned into the right place. Always appreciate you tuning in for the mailbag each and every week. Subscribe to the podcast, Canuck Central. That way you never miss an edition of the show. Any of our inside info, exclusive interviews, and during the season, the post-game shows for each and every Canucks game. If you missed the first hour of the program, Yannick Hansen joined us, and we discussed what a trade down in the first round for the Canucks could look like. So you can check that out on the podcast. But without further ado, it is the mailbag. Hit the music. It's time for your questions here on Canuck Central. Uh, we'll start with this one from Bob. What are your thoughts on Brock Besser and pick 11 to Chicago for picks 19 and 35? I know we've talked about Garland a bit, but what about Besser? That's a little bit more of a steep price for Chicago. So yeah. I almost wonder from Chicago's perspective, it's like, why are we doing this? Yeah, it's, it's unless a big, they think they really can look at Besser and see bounce back potential. Yeah. Um, again, like I mentioned before, I prefer to not mess with eleven. That's mm. kind of how I feel mm. about it. Um, preference wise, I'd I'd like to move both. Right? Like I made the point. I mean, if it was up to me, you know. Okay, so I'd trade everyone. To, pretty much outside of like four guys, <laughs> but like I'd be all for trading Ethan Barry. Even I'd be all for trading. Um, Bavillier, Garland, and Besser. Like, all those guys in a heartbeat. I'd be all for it. They are replaceable. Yeah, but I still don't know if I want to be giving up 11 to get off one of those players. You know what I mean? And if I had to choose between Garland and Besser, who do you think is a better fit? I think Besser is the better fit in terms mm-hmm. of how they want to play if he plays at its potential. Even though Garland's been more effective, it's just they don't like Garland's fit. It's very clear. Yeah, they... Um... And, and look, Garland's best season came with the Arizona Coyotes when Rick Tockett was coaching. Yeah. So it's hard to say, to say um, definitively that, well, he's not a Rick Tockett guy, you know, because his best year came on a team that was coached by Rick Tockett. Yes. I also think that was a team that relied on Garland for top six minutes, and Rick Tockett sort of showed his hand during the course of the year, unless there's guys hurt, he looks at Garland as a third liner on this team. Doesn't really factor in as one of the right wingers on one of the top two lines. So it's kind of hard to keep justifying the $5 million for Garland when you don't see him as a guy that's regularly in the top six. Mm. He doesn't play big power play minutes, doesn't factor in on the penalty kill. While it's nice to have his added scoring... Is he the most functional player for this roster and keeps coming up? Probably not. Probably as not. the answer. Todd Nasland, what are the percent or odds that the Canucks do not draft at 11? Uh, I'd place it at... I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Really? I have been. Because I, th- I mean, um, it's hard to quantify, obviously. It's all a guess. I'd put it at... 40%? Mm. Whoa. 30 to 40%? That's pretty high. I was going to say 35, but 35 seems like a cop-out, <laughs> so I'd say 40. So 40 that they do not draft at 11. Yes. That they draft either lower or not at all in the first no, no, I'd say draft lower. I don't think they're trading the pick out right. Yeah. I think there's a 40% chance they're trading the pick, but still picking in the first round. Right. Um, 
Interesting. I feel like it should be lower than that. Like 30? To me, to me, this always happens every year. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, will they trade down or trade the pick or whatever? And to be fair, most years they end up trading the pick. But I just feel like 20, maybe even like 15%. 15%. Just based on vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the vibes are good. Um, I'd say, yeah, I'll, I'll put it at 23%. 23%? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's 2023? Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Austin in Langley. Will the Canucks end the 2023 draft with more or less picks than they currently have? So they currently have seven. Seven. I'd say more. Yeah. I'm going to making this deal. Yeah. Then, that if you if you make a deal like this, right, then you're right. getting an extra second round pick. Mm-hmm. That means you're probably not looking to trade up from where you are at three. Yep. Do you maybe even move down somewhere else? I, I'd say they come and, and maybe move something else and get a pick back in another deal. Yeah. I'd say more. If they keep 11, there is a chance, though, that they use their surplus of picks in rounds three and four to move up into the second round. Mm -hmm. So there is a non-zero chance that they end up with less. That's also uh, the next question from Tim. Will the Canucks draft in the second round this year? Ooh, I guess a yes or no answer. Uh, I'll say I'll say yes. They'll find a way to get into the second round one way or another. Second round picks are hard to come by, but there are enough teams with a surplus and a heavy surplus yes. of second rounders this year. And if you're moving down from 11, you got to get, get a second back. You have to get a second. And if the Canucks don't get a second back and hold firm at number 11, I'd say that it's a likely they move up from three into the second round somehow. Mm. Use a fourth round pick, use one of their thirds. Can you go from high third round to late second round potentially? Uh, so I, I'd, I'd say there's a good chance that they uh, end up in the second round. Next one from Magister Danielson. What is the most underrated move to open up cap space? Most underrated move to open up cap space? I think it's trading Bavillier. Yeah. There's not a ton of, like, surprise here. No. The players that you could trade for cap space... Brock Besser, Connor Garland, Anthony Beauvillier, and maybe Tyler Myers. Under uh, yeah, Myers is going to be more. Yeah, I don't know if it's underrated. I'd say. I mean, if you have to make a choice, I'd say Beauvillier had 18 goals, which mm-hmm. matches his second best in his career. Had 40 points, which is a career high for him. I mean, they're not like you know eye-opening numbers, but yeah, I mean, still the most points he had since his rookie season. The uh, the real answer, though, is J.T. Miller. What the hell did you trade J.T. Miller for? Cap space. Yes, that's what it was. Um, probably not happening. That was just a joke. I don't think it's going to be J.T. I'd say Bavillier. I mean, J.T. could get traded. I'd say, okay, I, since I'd I'm giving out percentages. If you find a way to move Besser I don't know if it's and underrated. clear six, yeah. like, six and a half million... I just think of it it's as underrated like, because it's the most. Yes, I just mean underrated as in like, oh, this is something we're not talking about that could happen yeah. a lot easier. Mm. So I, I, I'd have to say Bavillier. Yeah, expiring deals a lot, lot easier yes. to move. All right, next one from Nick. Who are some of the best targets for the Canucks hole at three C? So we talked extensively yesterday about this very thing, and Evan Rodriguez came up quite yes. a bit. 
He is projected to get three years and $3.7 million per. So probably about $11 million. That's where the projections are at. Yeah, and and, and I'd, I don't know where how high... Van- I think Vancouver, like I said yesterday... Is you know wants to move off money, wants to get a third line center either via trade, and if they can't via trade, what they're looking at is in free agency. I'd say the price range is in the two and a half to three million range, maybe slightly above. I don't know if they want to pay close to four. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to you know do you get priced out or not. But I think that's the type of player they're looking for. And I think so. It's Ross Colton who we heard via the trade market. I think there are other names out there, and I think the two names to, to really keep in mind is like we mentioned Evan Rodriguez, and the other one is Nick Bukestad. Yep. But they're both a bit older, right? Yep. Everybody else you're talking about is probably a one-year flyer guy in a mm-hmm. one-year. David Kampf, I guess, could be the other guy that's a bit of a underrated guy, a bit younger, had a good season, played for Toronto, can do some of that stuff, right? But that kind of fits more of a Rod- true, like just more like not two-way because he mostly just plays defense. defense. It's mostly defensive, yeah. but he fills a role for mm-hmm. you, right? But those are the kind of, kind of the names, and I wonder if there's some other guys that we haven't heard of yet that they're in on, and that's one thing I'm, I'm trying to really figure out is who are some other names? Because these aren't the only names they're in on. Yeah. But these are the names that we kind of are figuring out a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure they, their preference is to go and sign Danola Chari to one-year deal, you know what I mean? Or sign Luke Lennon to one-year deal. I'm not yeah. against that. I brought it up as a possibility, but I think they're looking for somebody that they can get more out of for a couple years at least. They've been connected to, well... We've had Elliot Friedman talk about Ross Colton yeah. as a player that could be available, and that's maybe the kind of player that the Canucks might be interested in as well. He's been pretty good for Tampa Bay over the last couple of years. He has, and you know he's actually really good in the face-off circle. Mm-hmm. For his career, he, his face-off percentage is, is at 52.1%, and for those wondering how many face-offs has he taken, almost 1,000 in the National Hockey League. Yeah. So it's, it's a fair sample, and he's over 52%. This past year, he's, he was at 56, but took about 190 of them, so still like not, not a ton of face-offs. The year before, he took 600 face-offs almost, was 152 0.2% of them. So he's a guy that can win a lot of draws. Yeah. Hasn't played a ton of center naturally. Mm-hmm. He's a projection. But if you're looking at a younger guy, a guy who uh, can be gritty, can do a bit of everything, and maybe in a bigger role, much like JT Miller in a bigger role. And now I'm not saying he's going to be like JT and be this like, you know, 100 point guy or whatever. But do you, is that a projection they're making that they think A, he's going to be a center, and B, with more ice time, he's going to take a big leap? Pretty steady production, too. He had uh, 32 points in 81 games this year and 39 points last year in 79 games. And also, he's been uh, pretty good as a playoff performer as well for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, scored 22 goals in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2022. Good player to keep an eye on, but a left shot center, not a right shot. Yeah, and I wonder what the price of acquisition is. Mm. You know, because I don't know if Vancouver wants to be trading draft picks for players like that. Probably like second rounder or equivalent. Third, second, third yeah. rounder equivalent. Jason Dickinson went for a third. He has to get paid. I'd say third is kind of the price probably. And prospect prospect or player equivalent would be someone like Hoaglander, I right. guess. That's Yeah, that's the ballpark of what it would cost to get a Ross Colton type. Uh, Leo, should the Canucks bring back Manny Malhotra once Sheldon Keith is fired? <laughs> He could be a good mentor for Atu Ratu and Oliver Moore once they draft him. Are we sure the Leafs are firing Sheldon Keefe? Seems like they're penny-pinching a little bit. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, if they're going to clear out the front office too now, who knows? Yeah. Outside of, uh, you know, Shanahan, of course. 
I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with that organization. The Shanna plan is now to like just fire everybody and bring in a whole new staff. Yeah, that's all it is, man. Uh, but so I, I don't. So I think what Manny Malhotra is looking for is like. So he got a promotion. He went from being like an assistant, but to like a you know a more prominent position with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think he's looking for the next step. He'd have to take a bit of a demotion to get on the staff because who's the yeah. right hand man for? Um, Talk it. It's Adam Foote. Yep. And he's brought Gonchar on. And Yo's still here. I don't see it. I don't. I, I love to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. The staff seems pretty set. It's pretty set for this year. In Vancouver. Yeah. So. But I love Manny Malhotra. And, like, there's no coincidence. Like, he, he works with guys in the face-off circle, and they get better. Yep. Man, Canucks were really good in the in the draw yeah. when uh, Malhotra was around. That was fun. Yeah, good mm-hmm. times. Face-offs. Uh, Pete. What is the organization thinking for Arthur Silovs next season? So I don't, everything about Silovs doesn't change, at least from my perspective. As for the organization, I don't believe it changes either. They sort of played their hand a little bit this year. He played five games and next year is slated to be the full-time starter with the Abbotsford Canucks. And maybe when you have back-to-backs that are, you know, home in Abbotsford, you know, you just have to call them up and drive them down Highway 1 and get them into Vancouver. Maybe there's a way to get him in games at the NHL level without having him be Demko's full-time backup. Yeah. I I think that's the next progression for Silovs. I think think so, too. What I think is going to happen is they'll add another veteran goalie Mm-hmm. Most likely, I think. Um, Delia type, whether it's Delia. And then Spencer Martin, Delia, and Silovs. Those, yep. those are your three goalies fighting for the backup spot. The other two are going to be the goalies yep. with the Abbotsford Canucks. That, that's, I think, what their plan is going to be for next season. And those three guys are going to fight out for it. There is a chance that if Silovs looks fantastic in camp, mm-hmm. that he breaks the season with the team. I could see this happening. I could wow. see it happening. Depending on, like, they, they may look at it and say, okay, like, he's played really well. And always early in the season, you want to get your backup involved. Yeah. And depending on the schedule and everything, like, do they look at it and say, hey, we want to, we will get him in through a couple of games. But I think as soon as he plays a couple of games, they'll send him back down again. Right. I think all of next season, like you mentioned, he's going to be a bit of a yo-yo back up, up and down a little bit, get, get some strategic starts for Vancouver. Injuries happen. He may be leaned on a lot. But the most important thing for Arthur Silovs is still playing more hockey games. Yes. It doesn't make sense for him to just be Vancouver's backup next season. He's only had one full year playing a lot of games. Only one year. He yeah. needs more games. He's got to have another year where he plays 40 to 50 games. Yes. Uh, I would say if there's, let's say there's an injury to Demko, you know, yeah. and, and Silovs is performing well, you know, there's a chance he comes up in that scenario and becomes the starter for the Vancouver Canucks or is, you know, a 1A with whomever the veteran backup might be. And I also, I got a text here from Quads, David Quadrelli. Don't f- forget about Tolopolo. Ah, Tolopolo. Tolopolo. He's not, he's not Italian. That's, <laughs> yeah, why do you say Italian? It doesn't matter how it sounds. <laughs> I can't say it any other way. Tolopilo? Tolopilo. I don't know how you say it in, in Belarusian. Not like that. Well, not like that. <laughs> yeah, don't forget about him either. I don't know. I mean, know. he'd be in the mix too, right? I mean, but it's, it's going to be fascinating, I think, with with the backup goaltending position. Yeah. But I'd, I'd say they add one more guy. All right. Uh, Duncan, <laughs> how do you think Travis Green would be as the Leafs coach? Uh, 
Oh man, I, I think he'd actually be okay. I think he'd be okay. I th- I, I think he'd be fine. Austin I think he, Matthews Bigscape. I think he'd preach the right things for what that team needs. Would they listen to him? Different. I don't know, but I think he'd preach the right things. By the end of Green's tenure, I think there was a lot of people, a lot of fans that were sort of tired of Green, tired of his message in the media, and I think everybody, certainly towards the end of that era, and the way that season started and went, there's a lot of people that were just like, we're done with this. Like, everybody just needs to go. And it's unfortunate, because if you look at what Green was able to do with what he was working with most of the time... You know, he, he got some decent results out of not great hockey teams. And even that year, let's not do revisionist history. The one thing the Canucks did well when they went with eight wins in their first 25 games, they actually defended fairly well. They just couldn't score a goal. Yeah, if, you're right. Even the year they got fired, yeah. they weren't giving up a lot. They weren't no. creating anything, but they weren't giving up they, a ton. They, they, couldn't goal, <laughs> they couldn't score a goal to save their life. No, and then once Bruce Boudreau came in, all of that changed. Pedersen found his game. Miller was incredible. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, honestly, I think it doesn't quite. It's not the same, but I, there are other coaches who have needed one's first job, and then they got better. I mean, Rick Tockett's first tenure with the Tampa Bay Lightning wasn't great. No, was better with Arizona, and we'll see ultimately what happens here in Vancouver, right? But even go Peter Laviolette, I think. He had he had a couple of years with the Islanders, yeah, and then after that he won went and won with Carolina and figured it out, and he's had you know countless jobs since then. A lot of coaches have kind of like got Pete, through the first job a little bit, and then Pete, Pete DeBoer, DeBoer with Florida, with Florida, same thing, and then ever since then has taken off, right? New Jersey, Dallas, yeah. San Jose, no matter where he goes, he at least at least he gets far. Yep. We can talk about whether he can win a championship or not. So, you learn from your mistakes, yeah, and I think there's a lot of value in that. I think you got to learn from your mistakes, just like a young player has to learn and progress, yeah. I think coaches, too, through their first formative years, at least I mean, formative NHL years in terms of being coaches. So I think he would be better in a second job, and, you know, I think it could work. I had plenty of criticism for Travis Green towards the end in Vancouver, but uh, I also, at the same time, think he did a pretty good job with what was slated here. And I d- still do think he has potential to be a pretty good coach in this league. Probably learned a lot of lessons, too, right? Yeah. We've talked about moving down in the draft. This one from Cole. Could the Canucks get the Wings' ninth pick? The Canucks move up in the draft. How much do you like Niels Hoaglander is what, yeah. what my question would be. Because that's essentially all you have to trade. Yeah. And that's like, – is that enough to get from 11th to 9th? Yeah. I mean – It depends on who's available. Yeah, it really does. Like, I mean, Detroit may look at it and say, like, there's four guys. The guy we actually like is probably not going to be taken the next two picks. Yeah. And then it's just chalk, right? You, you take the asset, you move down, you still get the guy you wanted. Right. I don't have a ton of interest in moving up if I'm the Canucks. No, I mean I don't mind going to nine if there's a like if you're if you're if you're on the right guy, yeah. And you feel you know like you feel very strongly that we have to get this guy. Like if and so we got to move up to get him. If Mitchkoff is there at nine, sure. Or if uh, so for example, like the Wings, they have a number one. What if Reinbacher falls to nine? Right. Let's say Reinbacher is the guy they love, right? And they have him as a top eight prospect, yep. and they love to get him. And he's there at nine, and Detroit's kind of meh on him. Yeah. And you think that he's not going to make it mm-hmm. to number Not going to get past St. Louis. Yeah. That's that's one scenario. But I just, I, yeah. I, with, the, with the amount of Canucks draft capital that they have, I don't love it. Yeah. 
I think it's going to cost more than Nils Hoglander. I don't I don't disagree necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I think that's all you really have to play. It's trading with some of your prospects. And is that the move you want to do? You don't have a second round pick this year. You don't have a second round pick next year. You like you, you just don't have those. I mean, can you move from 11 to 9 ch- trading a third and two fourths? I guess. Is that enough? I'm not sure it is. Probably in theory it might be enough to add up. I mean, if you put like a Hoaglander in there and then maybe a third or a that's a lot for two spots, though, all of a sudden. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. you're giving well, up, like, three picks and a prospect. It's depends like, on who's there. Yeah, exactly. But still. Uh, JL, is tipping culture broken in Canada? Um, I- I'd say it's it's gone too far, yeah. I feel like it reached a peak at one point. Now it's yeah. kind of cooled down a bit. It is starting to cool down. It all depends. Like, some sometimes you go places and you're still like, 25% is the first option. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is too high, actually. <laughs> It's like, wait, we're starting with 25? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's gone too far. Like, I think it's getting to the point where it's like, you shouldn't be paying somebody to do their job outside of you paying for the service. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, if you're paying that much in tip or that's the expectation, that means you're supplying, like, you're you're paying them to work there, essentially. Yes. So there's something broken in the system. A little bit. I w- it is always like that because you're paying goals somewhere and yes. that pays for the wages, pays for everything and everything. But when you're if you're paying like 25% mm-hmm. on your bill or even higher than that, mm-hmm. it's tough. They're asking quite like, yeah, the, w- when your first option is 25 or even 22%. Or 20 even. Yeah. You're kind of, you're kind of getting there. You know, I'm still... Maybe I'm a little bit old school. Baseline is 15. If I like the service, I'm given 18. If I really like the service, I'm given 20. Yeah. And honestly, like... I know that there's going to be some people that don't agree with me. Well, they're saying you're too high still. At I least mean, you're not at the uh, the DOM baseline. Wait, which is that 5% or 10%? I think it's zero. Zero percent? And then he, he works his way up. Yeah, I think, I mean, back in the what day... What is it, Steve Buscemi? <laughs> Maybe. I'd say back in the day, when I was, when I was, young, when I was younger, the baseline was 10%. Right. It was like 10% was kind of the expectation you paid to. This is like going back 20 years now, maybe. But like it was it was 10% was kind of it. And if you got like really good service, maybe you went up to 12, 15%, somewhere, somewhere along those lines. Yeah. That's changed. It's, it's moved up and it's gone from like being 10 to 15 to like 15, 20. Then it was 20, 25. You know, and, but I, I feel like when I go somewhere and it goes 15, 17, 20, yeah. I don't want to pay 15 because then it feels like I'm I'm going on the low end. Yes. And if it was good service, like I feel like I, I never do the lowest option because I feel guilty about it. Yeah. I'm like, unless it's been, even if it, when it's really bad, like I don't want to be the guy that's like, you know, like you didn't tip well, whatever it is. Like I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like you feel like, guilted into it almost. That's public reputa- <laughs> reputation. It's just going to be Listen, I don't want anybody to go out tweeting about like how I'm a cheapskate or whatever like that. Like, I, I don't need any, I don't, yeah, I don't need any smoke. Walking out Cheap of the skate. restaurant. I don't need any smoke, okay? Hood up. <laughs> no matter what. I was like, it was delicious. It was great. Best service ever. That's my. That's like my routine response to everything. Somebody's coming in and like, <laughs> on a Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Sat was at my restaurant. He didn't tip at all. <laughs> I always tip. Uh, Justin, what is the superior store food court? Costco? Or Ikea? That's a great question. I feel like it's... I'm going to go Ikea. Answer. No, Ikea. Uh, Costco? Costco. Costco because, I mean, the, the price is a lot cheaper. Are yeah. we talking... Or, sorry, are we talking about Ikea, like the one where you can get Swedish meatballs yeah, and yeah. stuff? Or, yes. like, the downstairs? No, 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 not the downstairs. I'm guessing, like, the actual food court. Oh, 
Not just the hot dogs. I mean, the hot dogs, I mean, that's, it's that's right. not very good. I mean, it's fine. But that's it's comparable to Costco. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, but the thing is, like, I'd say you get... Uh, I love the IKEA food. It reminds me of Sweden. So every time yes. I go to IKEA, I'm like, we gotta eat. It doesn't matter what. Like I'm having, <laughs> we I'm gotta having, eat. We're having something. I need to, just for nostalgia's sake. I yes. need to go and eat. So I always eat when I get to, when I go to IKEA. It's not as cheap. The thing about Costco is you can't beat the bang for your buck. No, you can't. No, you cannot. You can't beat the bang for the buck. But but I do prefer the IKEA food. I just both stores though. It's like, hey, we'll give you cheap food after you. But you know, usually when you come here, you're spending a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> I went to I went to Costco last night, yeah. and I didn't. I you just buy a bunch of stuff that feels cheap because you're buying it a lot of it. Yes, but then you get to the end and you it's just, you're paying three hundred dollars. I don't know where this came from. But you feel great because you got a one dollar hot dog at the end. Yeah, dollar fifty <laughs> hot dog and a pop. <laughs> How's the Costco pizza? Never tried it. It's good. It's decent. Yeah, yeah it's honestly, not bad. all their food at the food court is. You're never going to be disappointed. Yeah, Decent all, enough. I all guess f- I haven't tried everything, but... Um, like, my mom told me the other day, they went to Costco, and her and my brother, and they got the sushi, and it was yeah. and it was good, apparently. I never tried the Costco Interesting. sushi. Interesting. Like, sushi. Like, oh, yeah. yeah it's, I've seen it. Was, she's like, it's like 14 bucks. You get like 20 pieces or whatever, 25 pieces of sushi or something. Costco rotisserie chickens? Those are good, too. The thing about Costco, though, like, you always end up buying stuff you just don't really need. You gotta be but really disciplined. Like, you, you have to be very disciplined. You have to I, stick to I your list. Yeah. Walk out and walk out, walk out of there with cookies and yeah, see, golf you balls. And- <laughs> well, the golf balls might might make sense. If you're paying less than a buck for the ball, fine. Like you're stocking up on golf balls. That's not an issue. Yeah. I don't mind that. But that cookies and stuff, you're right. Like stuff that you don't need to eat. They're like, this is just well, too good price. <laughs> I have to. Forty five cookies for five bucks. I gotta do it. <laughs> it's a deal. <laughs> Uh, we'll end with this one. Marcus and Gibson's sitting backseat on a road trip. Do you sit behind the driver or behind the passenger? Mm. I feel like there's also an easy answer for this. It is behind the passenger. Why? I don't know why. Yeah, (laughs) I'd say I'd rather on a road trip sitting in the back seat is more fun. Most underrated seat though, the middle. Is it though? Because then you you can look right out. It depends on like if. Middle, that's a terrible. Yeah, it no. depends on how long the road trip is. <laughs> mm. Obviously, like if it's a, if it's a few hours, you don't want to be. Uh, I'll I'll raise you this on a road trip. If you're going on a long road trip, you can't have more than four people in the car. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. If it's four a per, if it's yeah. a five seater, I'm not going with five people. No, in the car. no, yeah. no, no. That's when you got to take two. <laughs> that's what's yeah. It's like hey, we got to find out. So it's like we got four of us. We got five yeah. of us going. Let's find another person to go. Or yeah. we're, we're taking two cars. Like you can't like, do a road trip to Kelowna with five people. Like three bills. Yeah. You know. Or who's got a minivan? Or, yeah. Exactly. Or, or a bigger SUV. Exactly. But I will say, if it's an hour long drive or whatever, I don't mind taking the middle seat. I'm mm. fine with the middle seat. It's tough. It's a tough look. Is, is a road trip an hour-long drive? Probably not. You take an hour to so, drive home basically so, every day. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't sit in the middle of the home. Leaving work, going on a road trip. I don't know. I, I think home. sitting... Yes. <laughs> like, I, I think sitting in the back seat, like especially if you have two people in the back seat, it's more comfortable than sitting up front on a road trip. Yeah. You have oh, you more room. So? Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you have more seat. room next to you. Like You're sitting in a seat. It probably depends on the car. It, yeah, it depends on the car, obviously. Leg room does matter. Passenger like if you're, seat, I would I would take over the two back seats. On a mm-hmm. long road trip, I kind of like sitting in the back. I don't know what it is about. Shotgun. Who gets the front seat? I don't worry Apparently about the Apparently, if we're, uh, I never if we're going on a road trip, seat. the three of us to watch uh, Blue Jays and Mariners, 
Josh is sitting in the front. Sat sitting in the back. You guys can drive go. me. I'm happy. Apparently, I'm driving. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Apparently, I'm driving. Uh, all right. That's it for the mailbag here on Canucks Central.